This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. Good morning. <laughs> We're the Turner family, um, minus a couple this morning. Um, Jack got sick last night with a bad cough and fever, and so um, Drew stayed home with him. And our theme this week is love, and sometimes love looks like not doing what you would like to do, but staying home with a sick child so they can rest. Uh, we're going to read our verses first, and then we're going to say a little something about love. So we're going to be reading from Isaiah 7:14 and Matthew 1, 18 through 23. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man and not wanting to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So um, the theme this week is love, and as we thought about love and discussed it this week, um, a few things came to mind. Um, first, God's gracious love uh, has made us a family, and um, we are able to show Christ's love to each other in our home and also be the salt and light to others in an aching world. Uh, God also... Um, showed his sanctifying and redeeming love as he bore deep pain on the cross and um, he died for those who don't, uh, we do not deserve his love and yet um, he came and he chose to be broken so that we might live with him forever if we choose to follow him. And then I pondered God's wondrous love and he humbled himself and the creator of the universe gave up the glory and the beauty of heaven to become an embryo, a wisp within Mary and um, he, you know, she, she was um, pregnant for nine months and, and he was um, being formed within her just as we all are in our mother's womb. And um, how, how wondrous that is, his um, presence. Uh, we know that it wasn't like he just suddenly came when she was um, um, nine months pregnant. Um, it says that um, when uh, Mary went to Elizabeth, that baby John leapt in her womb because the presence of Christ was there. And I uh, just cannot fathom uh, the humility that that took um, to give up heaven, to, um, to go through those nine months in her womb, and then to take on flesh and the brokenness of um, sin. And though Christ was without sin, he was walking among sinners, and he, he experienced the pain and the sorrow that we feel so that um, we could understand the fullness and the depth of his love. And so I hope this, um, that tomorrow and today and throughout the rest of this Christmas season, as you ponder that, you'll just remember the wondrous love that Christ has for us um, and all that he gave up so that we might live forever with him. Thank you so much. 
Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. I'm going to be reading out of Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, for those who are following along. And I'm reading in the place of my father, Jesus Garcia. He's out of town uh, in Mexico, so y'all just keep them in prayer. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and we'll be reading through verse 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Thank you, Justin. Good job. And thank you, uh, Turner family and worship team. And Merry Christmas, everyone. We're going to, uh, there's, a, there's a sign-up sheet, just one announcement, we won't have announcements later, but there is a sign-up sheet on the credenza, fancy word, it's just a table, in the foyer, and you can sign up if you want the elders to pray for you on January 3rd. We're going to have slots between 6.30 and 8.30, so five families or five households per slot, so we can pray for 20 households that night, and then those who did not get, get to sign up in time, we will have other opportunities in Sundays ahead, right after the service, so that is on the credenza. So maybe some of us can relate to this story. A father and mother are hurriedly trying to get the house ready for a Christmas Eve celebration. Anybody feeling that today? And they're barking orders at their children. Stop fighting with one another. Pick up those toys. Clean up that room. And their little four-year-old daughter's under their feet the whole morning. And so finally they send her to the other room and tell her to play with a nativity set. A few minutes later they hear, hear her yelling at the plastic wise man, I don't care who you are, get those camels out of my living room. Well, sometimes our lives are a bit messy, right? And in fact, maybe a lot of the time, everybody in here is in some kind of mess or you're just coming out of it. You're getting ready to go into one because life itself is messy. Everybody knows somebody who's facing a health crisis, right? Somebody who is enduring a chronic illness or waiting for a diagnosis. Everybody here knows a marriage or a family that's in trouble. They're struggling. There's a mess there. Everybody here feels the stress of living in a broken world. And we live with family members and coworkers and neighbors who not only don't understand why in the world we would give time to this person that we think is our savior named Jesus, but some of them are even actively trying to trying to get us to stop doing that, right? Because life is messy and the world is a mess. And, and, and sometimes we think, you know, I, I just I can enjoy life if I didn't have to deal with blank, right? Or, or I wish I could enjoy Christmas, but it's just not possible because of all the mess. And listen, saints, you know this. The very reason for Christmas is because life is messy, because life was messy, 
because the world was broken from the Garden of Eden and continues to be broken, and restoration will not fully come until Jesus returns again. But that process has been started, and it started in the womb of a, of a woman in, who gave birth in Bethlehem to the perfect Son of God. And we've talked about this. You know, the birth of Christ didn't start in Bethlehem. It started in heaven. The plans were laid before the foundations of the world were made that this would be the way God would save his people. The only way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, in a relationship with me, there's hope. And apart from a relationship with me, there's just a mess. <laughs> and your life is a mess. The world's a mess. And it doesn't get unmessed except through a relationship with Jesus. So Christ was sent for the joy in our joy in the midst of our chaos. And the shepherds heard it clearly that the birth of the Savior was good news of great joy. The angel said, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. In fact, it's the best news that's ever been broadcast in the earth. Look, we heard today that the war in Ukraine ended. That would be great news. If we heard today that, that you know, Hamas was finally dealt with or Israel and Hamas were no longer fighting, that would be great news. But that would pale in comparison to this news, right? Because wars can cease, but the war in our hearts against God and our Savior Jesus Christ, that has to cease and it can cease if we recognize this and embrace this and walk in the truth of salvation, and I appreciate Mike's, Micah's great word last week. If you weren't here last Sunday, like I wasn't, then listen to it online at sermonaudio.com or antiochchurchnc.org. But he did a great word, had a great word, and a wonderful story. I was crying as I listened to the uh, story about Princess Ruby. But, but I want to double down this morning and talk about joy uh, some more. Not that I'm trying to fix something Micah broke, because I had planned this sermon a couple of weeks ago before I knew what he was preaching on. First, let's acknowledge that this was not just ordinary joy, this is wonder, which is wonderful. This was great joy. You know, the Bible talks about joy more than 200 times. And, and it's given to us in Christ every day. As Micah said last week, it's not something we can work up. It's something that comes down, and it comes into us with Christ. Christ is our joy. And we know that everyday joy that comes when we, we share a laugh together, right? We, we laugh around the dinner table, as some of you will do today, or, or in a, completing a task and, and feeling, you know, God-given abilities have been used in your life to bless others, and there's joy in that. There's joy in giving and receiving. We'll experience that today and tomorrow with family and, and friends. But because we were made to live forever, listen, you are not just a lifetime person. You are an eternal person. Not eternal, but forever person. Your, your life started in the womb of your mother, and it will never end. And because of that, we long for a joy that will never end. And that joy came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It was good news of great joy for the finite to be connected to the infinite in Christ. You know, reference to great joy is rare in Scripture. There's only three times that I know of in the Old Testament where great joy showed up. A lot of, a lot of times we talk about joy, but great joy showed up in these three examples. The first one was when Israel rejoiced with great joy because Solomon, the son of their, loved, their beloved King David, was made king, and the, the earth was split by their noise. It should happen here every Sunday. Amen? 
The second was Hezekiah. After many years of the Passover not being celebrated, there was great joy in Jerusalem because finally the Passover, as the way it had always been celebrated, was restored under Hezekiah. And they, there was great joy in Jerusalem. And then the wall was built by Nehemiah in 52 days, an incredible miracle. And there was great joy, so much that the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Now, it's interesting to me that great joy in the Old Testament refers to a king, a sacrifice, and a city. Those, all things, those things are all finite, but they point to the infinite, to the king who came to sacrifice his life so that the city of the living God could be prepared for us, his people. And everybody said, praise the Lord. That's good news of great joy. When the angel said that to these terrified shepherds on that hillside, it reminds us that this, there's an invitation to great joy. The, the angel was inviting their shepherds to enter into and see for themselves this good news of great joy. And that's still happening today. The Lord today is speaking to your hearts and saying, I invite you, I invite you to come in and see this good news of great joy for yourselves. Not just a place to visit once a year and hear these things on Christmas and, and maybe sometimes at Easter as well and wistfully long the rest of the year for more joy to come along. Now you're invited into great joy. In fact, that's how God works in the world. God works with great joy in the world. He worked with great joy in the Garden of Eden and all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was working for the creation of the world to its recreation for God's great glory and for our great joy. Everything God does is for his glory and for the great joy of his people to enter into with him. You know, God gives us everyday joy in, in the midst of our trials and suffering. As I said, we're all in some kind of mess in our family, in our world, in our relationships, etc. There's messes all around us. But God gives us everyday joy. The joy I feel, I felt this week in Kansas when I pick up one of my grandchildren. It, it gives me a hug, and gives me a hug, and it points me to the great joy I feel. And I know that Jesus, who loves me and who is my father, hugs me and holds me and, and, and loves me perfectly. Right? The joy we feel when, when we hear a brother or a sister is in remission. Boy, those are wonderful news, or cancer-free, that's even better. And that reminds us uh, of the fact that the great joy we have in Christ, who's pronounced us forgiven. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven. That means, listen, you're forever healed of the most dreaded disease that's ever walked the planet, and that is sin. You're forever delivered from sin in Christ. That's good news of great joy. Richard Foster in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, wrote this, Celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. He entered the world on a high note of jubilation. I bring you good news of great joy, cried the angel. He left the world bequeathing his joy to the disciples. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The good news of great joy was and is for all people. That's what the angel said, for all people. No one needs to miss it. Look, there are times when we need to petition the government for a redress of our grievances. I'm quoting from the, what, which amendment is it? 
That's the First Amendment saints. Yeah, a very important amendment. You ought to look it up and read it sometime. But listen, we do not have to petition anybody for great joy, especially not Congress. Not going to happen. We simply need to receive it and recognize that it is. It's come to you. It is, and it will never end. Good news of great joy will never end. You simply need to reach out and take hold of the one who embodies that great joy, who is that great joy, who is the reason for the season, who is our Savior, born of a woman, given as a son, because he's eternal. He's co-equal with God. Well, you know, I love this about the shepherds. They, they wanted to see this for themselves. They didn't, and, and they didn't settle for just going and seeing and meeting Jesus the Messiah. When they, when they got to the manger and they saw that it was exactly as the angel had said, hey, look for this, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Swaddling cloths was not a big deal. Most babies in Jerusalem or in, in Judea would have been. Newborns, but lying in a manger? No, that was the, that was the sign. That was the tale they were looking for, right? So, and then it says they could not keep silent. They told the story to those who were at the birthplace. I can imagine Joseph maybe saying to the shepherds who wandered up, you know, and with their faces aglow with, "This is it! This is it! We found them! We found it!" Joseph saying, "How did you hear about us?" And the, and the shepherds explaining about the angel and Joseph and Mary looking at each other at the same time saying, the angel came back, right? They had both had an encounter with Gabriel. And now this same encounter had brought the shepherds to the birthplace. Lee Eckloff writes, Surely the shepherds asked if they could hold the baby. The Lamb of God would first be held and handled by those who knew how to appreciate and care for a lamb. They must have... Lingered as long as they could, looking, marveling, and worshiping. But the break of dawn started poking through the cracks in the stable door, and the shepherds knew it was time to go. And then he says, people must have puzzled at the sight of shepherds at that hour. They were supposed to be out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks. But for once, those shepherds weren't thinking about their sheep. They had news they couldn't keep to themselves. Any more than you can hide a smile when your heart is bursting with joy. Luke tells us, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All who heard it. Now, who's he talking about there? All who heard it. Was he just talking about the people at the birthplace? Because we don't know that anybody was there except shepherds, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Wise men came two years later, all right? They didn't come to the manger. So what are they talking about? All who heard it marveled. Well, I have to believe that the shepherds, after seeing this good news of great joy with their own eyes and maybe holding the baby, they went to tell everybody they could, at least their family and friends. Absolutely, they went to their family and friends. I think they went to the whole city. I think they ran through the streets. People thought they were nuts, right? Saying, we just saw the Christ, the Messiah, the the one who's been prophesied from, from centuries ago. And they told everyone the news of this baby. Maybe that's why God chose shepherds instead of wise men at first or kings or even chief priests and scribes or religious you know, elite. He chose shepherds because he knew they would not be sidetracked by less important things like taking care of sheep. Now they went back to their sheep, but first they had news to tell. 
Francis Schaeffer wrote years ago, can you imagine one of the shepherds remarking, you know, it's very nice I've seen an angel. It's nice I've seen Christ, the Messiah, and the Jews have been waiting for so long. It's nice I believed in him, unlike some of the other people in Bethlehem, and that I'm going to be in heaven. That's nice, but really in practice, it's not going to make any difference at all in my life. Schaefer wrote that. Guess what he said right after that? Not conceivable, right? Impossible. No way. This was a life-changing event for the shepherds, and it has to be a life-changing event for us, one that we will never, ever get over, one that we will never, ever get tired of hearing, one that we will never, ever get tired of telling that, that's the mark of the shepherds getting it, was they weren't enough, they weren't happy just to go and, you know, and enjoy this for themselves. It's like those beggars who went into that city that had been, all the people had been, you know, the people who was besieging the town had been blown away by the, by the angels. They've been scared off. And so these, these beggars who are also lepers go in, they find this feast and they're eating and they're eating. And then they turn to one another and they said, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news. We have to go tell all the people who are hiding in that city that the enemy has been routed. The enemy's gone. And that's what the shepherds did. They said, hey, guys, the enemy is going to be defeated because the Savior has been born. We never get over that. And what did Mary do? She treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So what do we do then if we're not joyful? You're not feeling it today. You're just not, joy seems like an impossible thing for you to attain right now. In fact, some of you may be able to come up with 50 reasons, because that's how many relatives are coming over today. 50 reasons for you not to be joyful, right? You just can't feel it. As we've seen, as Micah pointed to us last week, as we've seen, the solution to a lack of joy is surprisingly vertical. We lose our joy when we get horizontal, <laughs> And it's all about horizontal. But we have to go vertical. And we look up and look at the one who is the source of our joy. You know what Jesus told his disciples before he went to the cross? He said, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Does that mean we won't have bad days? No. Does that mean we won't have tough relatives or tough coworkers? No. But Jesus said, I am the joy of your life. I am the source of joy, and no one will take you from me. No one will take me from you. Saints, that is good news of great joy. We don't need smaller problems in order to live joyful lives. We just need a bigger God. We have one. Christ, our Savior, is born today. Let's pray. I want to invite everyone in here this morning into that joy. The shepherds were invited to come and see the Christ child. And I invite you this morning as well. If you're missing joy, deep, lasting joy, it may be because you're missing Christ. And I invite you to come to him. And all you need to do to come to Christ is to believe. Believe that he is the son of God who came to save us from our sins. That apart from Christ, we're hopeless without, without him. We cannot be forgiven. We cannot be free. We cannot live eternally with God in heaven except through Jesus Christ. So repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Lord, thank you for the good news of great joy. Let that be 
uh, the echoes in our homes today and tomorrow, and, and not just today and tomorrow, but every day, may we live and tell the good news of great joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch Community Church meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information, please go to AntiochChurchNC.org.